the Going to College Education Podcast in association with Quality and Qualifications Ireland, QQI, promoting quality and accountability in Irish education and training. Hello and welcome to the Going to College Podcast with me, Ala Majeko Dumi, in association with QQI. This two-part series will help you to prepare for a busy few weeks ahead as you weigh up your college choices and get ready for an exciting life in college. For this, the second episode, we're discussing how to make the most of your college years, what you can expect on campus, COVID rules and regulations, as well as some practical tips and advice to experiencing everything that college has to offer. And I'm delighted to be joined by Claire Austick, president of the USI, Noreen Didi, first year experience coordinator at UCC, Scott Ahern, student counsellor with TU Dublin, and Dr. Project Walsh, CEO of QQI. You're all very welcome to the show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much for having us. So Noreen, I'll start with you. For students that may not like the course they're studying, what's their options? What can they do? Okay, so I suppose one option would be to um, apply for a change of course. That's um, in, in UCC, certainly we have an internal, we have a policy where students can apply to change their course. They can apply to change the course if they have the points for the course that they'd like to change to, if they meet the matriculation requirements, and if there is a space in that class. So that's the first thing that they can do. And in UCC, that open that change of course policy opens on the 29th of September. They also have the option, of course, of staying with it until the 31st of October to make sure that it is, you know, that it's not just you know, transition events or that it's, you know, that they they can maybe change their subject, change their module right up to the 31st of October. They can withdraw at that stage if things aren't working out for them. And there is no fee liability then, you know, if they withdraw by the 31st of October. But we really don't want students to withdraw. Um, You know, it would be preferable if they could avail of the change of course policy in the university. And Claire, I'll come to you next. In terms of the USI, what information do they have for students that students can get some advice on this about maybe changing their course? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think, first of all, um, if a student um, listening is having concerns around their course, about the workload, um, not settling in, if it's a large undenominated course and being um, surrounded by lots of people and just finding it hard to integrate and settle, um, we would definitely recommend um, the student to get in touch with their student's union, just to have a chat about it, but also um, their lecture, just to make sure that it is actually the course um, that they might not necessarily like rather than the whole transition integration process because it can be quite overwhelming and difficult and particularly the the next couple of weeks are going to be so um, stressful and highly pressurised and demanding with finding accommodation by that short turnaround period from getting the CAO offer to attending college. Um, So it is um, going to be a little bit of a stressful period. Um, So it's just about settling in, taking time, um, engaging in the clubs and societies and all the great things that college life has to offer to ensure that, um, you know, it's the course that a student might be finding difficult rather than the whole college experience. Um, And then as Noreen mentioned, um, there is the the date of the 31st of October um, that if they have any difficulties or they do want to um, have an internal transfer and change course um, or if they want to maybe withdraw from the whole college um, for a year and maybe take a step back and work or um, take time out to, to reevaluate what they maybe want to do down the line and um, that is the option to ensure that they don't lose any of their their finances as well. 
And looking into the whole idea of settling in, you know, first year students, it can be daunting, you know, starting at college. In terms of mental health, how important is this for students, Scott? Yeah, no, thanks, Ola. And uh, mental health is, uh, you know, kind of the emotions and the experiences and the transitioning that people would be having at this moment. It's it's going to be plus and minuses for for individuals when they're they're listening to this. But I think it's important to relay that um, minding your mental health, practicing good mental health, can have a connection to your college performance. Um, so those are kind of one important piece. So it's, and, and it's also important to just mention that mental health in itself is a spectrum. So we all move from like maybe from good places to bad places, that's, that's, that's normal. It's when the bad places may impact on us attending college, not being able to do a class presentation, feeling overwhelmed by an assignment and not submitting stuff and ignoring, maybe hiding. That's where it can get problematic for, for individuals when they're attending college, where it's really important that we would be saying is that to keep a little check-in um, for, for, for these young adults and also mature students and, and, and students of different backgrounds, but to keep a check-in, link in with a support with a support service. And I think it's really interesting when we were just talking just a moment ago there about, uh, you know, deferring or that, there is a huge knowledge base within student support services and the students' union across the college. And it's really important for a student to really have a name or a staff member or some link to the, to, to the inside track within their own home college, because that individual can, set, can point them in the right direction where sometimes it can be a little bit of a maze and that can feel overwhelming. But once you make a connection to one person, staff, you know, in in that capacity, they'll be able to help to kind of guide them and and kind of bring them out. And there's loads of supports as well. It's really important for for students when they're starting this college to use their voices and, uh, you know, to send that email, pop into the offices. You know, we're we're going to see a lot more face-to-face interaction happening, which is really uh, positive and and, and holding a very optimistic uh, outlook for, for the semester ahead and for the year ahead. So that's just a little bit about and the mental health. And it's also normal that people are going to experience low mood, anxiety, and a transition from secondary school, where one of the big pieces with college is the word independent self-learning. So there's a lot of responsibility that you know you you yourself may have to, you know, get to college, you know, and organize yourself and work with the timetables. But there's people there to help assist on that transition too. So just to kind of offer and, and, and say that. Just on that point, could I come in on that? Um, I think um, sometimes, well, I think I suppose with, with this day and age, um, a lot of people are familiar with the term of like mental health and well-being. Um, but it's worth noting that you know every single person has mental health, and it, it it fluctuates depending on the interactions that we have, the conversations that we have, the people around us, um, and I suppose the the stress and pressure of daily life as well, and the lifestyle that we have. Um, so I think it's important if if students um can you know reflect on how they're doing um, and if they notice that maybe over a prolonged period of time that they're feeling a little bit unwell or very stressed or a bit anxious um, about things coming up that they know that there are the supports out there um, counseling services um, you know there's lots of different supports um, on campuses that students can avail of and I think it's just about um, acknowledging when the time might be needed to, to, to do something about it. I, I just think Claire's making a really good point that's important to mention is that it doesn't have to be a crisis. It's, it's also important to go early because we can prevent a crisis as well. And, and that could be true academics, student supports and, and, and the many services that Claire just mentioned as well. Podrick, I suppose it's not just students that will be dealing with change. Tutors and lecturers also will be dealing with teaching differently in the current circumstances we're in, won't they? <clears throat> they will. And I think one of the things we should have learned from last year 
is that we don't, we shouldn't pretend that we know exactly how it's going to work. I think there were, there were big promises last year. There was a real sense that people were going to spend a significant amount of time on campus. And ultimately, the public health and what happened meant we couldn't do that. Now, obviously, there's been a lot more planning uh, has been done uh, this year. And I think only you make the very good point that it's not just changed for the students, it's changed for, for staff as well. But I don't think we will see or ever see a reversion back to exactly the way things were done before. And I think that's because we've learned from what's happened over the past number of years. For some people, the experience of, of college in a, in a remote environment actually allowed people going to college who couldn't have gone to college otherwise. It would have had, you know, child rearing responsibilities or caring responsibilities and wouldn't have been able to do that. On the other hand, I think it will make the institutions and the students reflect on what is it, is it exactly that we're bringing people in for? There have to be good reasons to do it. For instance, we're not going to be able, even at this stage, to have the full large lecture because we're not imposing conditions where everybody has to be vaccinated. But I think a lot of students will have questioned whether having 500 people in the lecture theatre was ever really a good use of people's time. And I think the idea that people will be able to, you know, replay lectures or go back and stuff is something that should work its way uh, through. So I think there will be uh, big differences, but uh, I think they will play out uh, over time because we, we don't really know what way uh, this, is, this is going to end. But I think it should, it should make us value the on-campus experience and the things, and I don't think you can undervalue that. Just on a, a personal anecdote, my own daughter graduated last week and graduated in person. But it was the first time she had seen her classmates for nearly two years because she, she'd been on Eras Erasmus. And it made a huge difference to them to be able to interact with their peer group. And I think that's the one thing that people, particularly undergraduates, will feel they've really missed out on. But I think we want to maximise that, but, but, but to do things that really it is beneficial, such as tutorials, for instance, or, or meeting with your tutor, where, where in, in person is probably uh, quite useful. But I think things will be different. Like to, I think it's really a case of, of no going back. I'm not sure we'll ever go back to the way things were two or three years ago. Moving on to the financial aspect of student life, which we all know can be quite costly. Noreen, if people have to pay additional fees for leaving their course early, how does that work? And how do students go about that? Um, are you saying that if a student um, we say withdrew last year, um, you know, or stayed for the whole year and they're joining a new programme this year? Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's okay. Well, okay, thank you. Um, yes, well, they will be liable to pay the tuition fees for the year. So the fees are broken down, um, you know, by tuition fee, by um, the capitation fee and the student contribution fee. Now, the student contribution fee, every student pays, that's €3,000 um, per year, unless they have a SUSE grant and €130 capitation fee. But if they are repeating the year, then they, on top of that, they pay tuition fees. And the tuition fees depend on the course that they're studying. For example, an arts course, uh, the tuition fees for an arts course might be close to €5,000, in, in UCC anyway, that is. And then maybe for a science course, it might be close to um, €7,000. So it depends on which course the student is studying. But yes, it's very costly um, to repeat the year. But then once that student progresses to the, the, the next year, then it's the free fees kick in again. 
Claire, we know accommodation is in a crisis right now for students. What are the best tips you can give to students out there that are struggling to find accommodation, particularly if they're moving up to Dublin or they're moving to another county away from home? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And thank you. Um, this is a, a huge topic at the moment um, that everyone is seeing in the newspapers, on the radio. Um, this is something that we've, we're obviously very strong on as well. Um, but it, it must be noted that we've been in a housing crisis for the last decade. This isn't just as a result of the pandemic, um, but the pandemic certainly hasn't um, alleviated the pressure um, that the housing crisis was under um, that we see now. So for students, um, for first year students who um, only got their offers yesterday, um, and they're, you know, thinking if they're going to take their second or third option or whatever choice that they were given um, and they haven't um, paid a deposit or they haven't anticipated getting a certain accommodation. Um, it's important for them to get in touch with their college and um, to see if the college has any spots for the accommodation that they own to be put on a waiting list. And um, there'll be some people who might be taken a year out or who will defer the year who might not need the accommodation on or off campus um, then also putting themselves on the waiting list for the affiliated and um, student accommodation provider uh, complexes um, and then if, if that also doesn't work um, to look on the different websites like daft.ie, let.ie, rent.ie um, some of the um, newspapers will have advertisements as well and then there's some like social media platforms as well where people tweet about certain things or put stuff up on their stories um, but it is a very difficult time for people in relation to accommodation and the search for student accommodation um, and I think on that point um, it needs to be said that uh, the government needs to um, provide capital grants to colleges to be able to build their own student accommodation whether it's on campus or off campus which in turn will somewhat regulate the market as well and reduce the, the cost in the area and um, so that's something that uh, we would love to see um, in the near future. I was just going to just in another piece just to, to tag team with Claire on this is that some of the colleges or most of the colleges do have accommodation services and also in the students unions so they're really really helpful to uh, to navigate and to and to access those and it's also important as well for students and for families just to be aware about the public transport routes to the college which can also help uh, the uh, increase the 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 space to which you are looking for the accommodation you know so obviously there's particular types of transports within Dublin that allow someone maybe live, live a little bit further out that could perhaps find if, if they find where the bus routes and the Lewis's or the darts are going so it's just so important just to be creative and also explore and really maximize the opportunities and also to to look at uh, private rental digs other kind of uh, methods of, of student combination as well that could be helpful just to mention that. And Patrick, as a parent to yourself, how would you say to parents maybe listening that are trying to deal with the transition of their children moving on to college, what tips would you give them? What would your advice be to these parents? Don't listen to parents, probably. Advice. <laughs> children are very good at that, uh, in my opinion. I mean, it is, it is a, a transition, but I think the group of students that are going into college now are probably among the most resilient we've had. I've had the most appalling last two years, those that have done, you know, the, the leaving and have been used to, their, you know, the, their whole world changing around them, their social uh, space, how they, you know, living in an environment of going, of going into, uh, you know, mass accommodate or mass, uh, you know, uh, systems and uh, over time. So, I mean, I think, you know, these people have proved themselves to be uh, much more adaptable in terms of what I'm doing. I think the other colleagues here would have, would have a better idea of, of how to prepare those things. 
Yeah, just following on from, from Patrick there, I think that the students, um, you know, are very resilient now. They've experienced disruption, uncertainty and isolation at a scale unknown to students who went before them. And, and they have experienced the absence of milestone events as well. And their world contracted over the past two years instead of expanding. So, I mean, we have to be very mindful of that as well. And I think that, you know, they're, they've just shown their resilience. And Noreen, as well as your role as a UCC first year coordinator as well, how do you help students? How is your role important to incoming students? Okay, well, um, first of all, I organise transition events for students. So, for example, over the past two weeks, um, I've organised tours for, or the peer support leaders really, um, have um, given tours to second year students and they'll start their tours next year for the first year students. We've also organised um, an event on campus on the 11th of September, that's next Saturday, for our second year students because they've missed the opportunity of you know, that milestone event of getting themselves on, camp on campus and meeting friends and just um, you know, finding their way around the place. So, and then we're also organizing an event on the 25th, the Precious Festival on the 25th of um, September. So we're organizing lots of events. So I'm responsible for those events, supporting students in transition, but also throughout the year, my background is in guidance and counseling and cognitive behavior therapy so, and coaching. So I meet students on a one-to-one -one and support them, whether it's, you know, personal or academic, but there are myriads of supports as Claire has already referred to in every campus to support um, our students to navigate their way through um, the, the first year in particular. So we front load our support services. And Claire, for students who struggle to settle into a new life and maybe are struggling to make friends, what would your tips be for them in terms of getting used to this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, first of all, um, there's lots of different clubs and societies that students can engage in and participate in um, and even like um, different things that they might never have experienced or tried before. Um, college is the, the real opportunity to try new things, to meet people from different backgrounds, to widen your horizon, to have the discussions that inform your thinking. Um, they, like college life just presents so many incredible opportunities and it's about engaging um, but if they're um, if, if, you know, if anyone listening um, is having difficulty settling in um, you can reach out to um, you know the clubs and societies attend a couple of events and um, reach out to the students union as well they might have different events and activities going on um, there's different supports there's academic supports um, around you know like uh, tutorials and all of that as well and the emotional support with like the counseling services some colleges have health units on campus a mental health nurse gps um, and then you also have like financial supports as well around the student assistance fund your local hardship funds or emergency funds um, so again there's lots of supports out there that can help you whether it's emotional financial academic um, but I think the main thing in terms of settling in it's allowing yourself time and um, it, it, it might not necessarily be the, the easiest thing the first week or the second week it might take a month or two um, and it's just about allowing yourself to settle in and everyone's on their own time scale um, but college life is is one of the most incredible um, experiences um, that young people can um, engage in. Um, it's about learning. It's about meeting new people. Um, it's about, you know, learning and thinking about new ways and being creative. And um, even when I just think back back to my college days, um, my first week um, in, in college, um, I remember, you know, being able to 
walk into a lecture hall with a little coffee you're not having to ask to you know permission to go to the bathroom or being able to meet your friends um, in between tutorials and sit in the canteen and um, these are just small things but it's so different to secondary school um, and the amount of um, potential and opportunities that students can avail of um, and, and try it's just, it's just absolutely phenomenal so giving it time trying the different things and um, exploring the options and the support services that, that are there um, and then seeing what works best for you. I'd like to bring you here as well, Scott, as well, for maybe students that are traveling up to college, students that have moved up to college as well to a different place. How mm. much of an impact does this have on students' mental health? It can for some and it can for others, but equally those who might not be commuting that much um, can also have an impact too. So for any any particular student, obviously, it's really important for students to look after their own mental health when they're attending college. And some of the tips I would give on this piece would be, you know, being active in terms of participating, attending college, uh, attending your orientation, going onto the campus if it's possible to engage, you know, in terms of the program, the societies and clubs that are on offer. And I think just um, just to add what, what Claire was saying, I think there's a really important message I'd love to say to the people who are listening today. The student space, student life was taken away from them in a sense from the year before that we would traditionally understand it. And I would like to challenge those students who are coming on campus to reclaim it now, to occupy that student space. Look at what was maybe, where, where were the gaps in your life over the last year? And maybe there was a social aspect. So this is a chance to really take on that new hobby, that new society, that new club, that new grouping where you can meet like-minded people. And the importance about that connection is that it provides a sense of purpose, feeling part of something, feeling heard or seen, being understood and belonging. In each of the colleges across this country, there is a sense of pride when you leave or graduate from that college, whether it's from the university, from the ITs or the TUs that are there. It's really important that not, not only are you coming out with the degree, but you're also coming out with a community of people who, who have that. Now, just to just a touch base about the transition piece um, just to go on that as well because I think that's important there's a piece about also when students are transitioning to college and they're commuting 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 up and obviously doing that social aspect and re-engaging with the college life it's important that they have priorities learning to say no we don't have to say yes to everything prioritizing their sleep managing maybe not to go to every social activity you know managing uh, external stimulus that we might have in terms of alcohol or, or other kind of pieces that are there just, just kind of taking a little check in and a pause with that, just to know that you're not overwhelming yourself or overcommitting yourself, because that can have a knock, knock on impact as well. So it's about pacing, taking your time to adjust. Like each semester is full of 12 weeks and it's a nine month period. So there's plenty of time. And just because at the start of the year, and I think it's a really important piece, if you feel you miss the boat or you miss the, the bus, that, that doesn't happen. The train or the bus or the boat is going to stop at the next stop and you'll be able to get, get on it. You haven't missed anything if you haven't got a chance to engage in the first few weeks or the first while, because there's plenty of opportunities to do that. And also later on in your college life, it could be second or third year or your final year when you decide to engage and, and to do that. So it's really important just to mention that. And of course, if people are feeling that sense of overwhelmingness or transitioning or just not feeling it hard to adjust and, and to, to work with, with, with this new life in, in a sense that that's kind of going to be embarking for young, many young people is that there are really good support services who are specialists in supporting students and their mental health and to guide them through it. And you don't need to feel like that you have to have this major crisis to access a service. 
in my clinical practice, I have worked with people from a variety of issues in their lives. And it's not about people judging whether it's big or small or what's justifiable to go to the counseling service. It's actually about what your experience and how it's impacting on your day-to-day life. And if that is impacting on you or having a negative uh, drawback, come to us. And that's the big piece I'd be saying to people as well in terms of their transition. I hope that's kind of useful or helpful. (laughs) And Patrick, I want to pose my last question to you. Not all students are going over to level eight and maybe some might be quite upset about this. For students that are maybe going to further education, you know, doing a level six or level seven, what would your advice be to them in settling into their new life as well? I mean, the the first thing is that it is different from school because you are changing. There is a a big element of self-direction there involved as well. And the transition to further education and the transition to higher education are somewhat similar in that you will be taught in a different way, but you certainly will be examined uh, in a different way. Not everything will have been reliant largely on the uh, the terminal examination, like the Leaving Cert of two years ago. You would have sat in a room with no one around you for for a two hours doing an exam. What happens in the in the, in the PLC program will will be a mix of, of modules that people will take that that will involve assessment, working in groups, to working on projects, etc. And it is very good preparation we found from, from the studies that have been done for a move on to higher education because it, it, it approximates what someone will do in higher education in terms of self-learning, but also the mix of tasks that you're expected to do as well. So what, what you find out then as well is within a year, if you finish your, your level you know your level five program or go on to your level six program, is that you, you can find out and transition and say, yes, I would love to go to college. But you also might find, well, this is really all I want to do in this, or this isn't what I want to do. And you haven't wasted or had the challenge of spent a, a first year uh, in, in college. So, I mean, there are a lot more pathways out there. There are a lot more pathways from further into, uh, into higher education. The minister is very anxious to have a much more integrated system. As you know, we've expanded the apprenticeship system. People should understand that apprenticeships go up to and can go up to level 10. There are a lot of level eight <laughs> apprenticeships out there, which are degree uh, level apprenticeships that will allow people, you know, who, who, who it suits better, who want to uh, earn and learn. So there's huge variety and choice out there. And the system is much more permeable to moving in and out than it may have been. You're not going down uh, cul-de-sacs anymore. That's it for this year's Going to College podcast series. And I want to thank my guests, Claire Oustick, Noreen Didi, Scott Ahern and Dr. Podrick Walsh for joining me on this week's episode. Don't forget you can listen and subscribe to the series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, independent.ie or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Ala Majeko Dumi. Thanks for listening and the very best of luck to all students starting out your college journey. The Going to College Education Podcast in association with Quality and Qualifications Ireland, QQI, promoting quality and accountability in Irish education and training. 